Welcome to the seventh episode of A Change of Chance. Presently, we as global citizens are going through so much. The pandemic, global warming, and within the U.S., economic and racial injustices. So much we all need to learn and act on to help heal humanity. By interviewing different experts, I hope that I am educating listeners, especially young listeners like me, on the issues in this world. I am also really happy to report that my listenership has quintupled in the last episode, thanks to the support of Plastic Free July. It is really giving me the encouragement to keep doing this and hopefully make a small difference. Now please allow me to proudly introduce my seventh guest. Over the last two months, we have seen the tipping point, maybe, in racial injustices and inequalities. The murder of George Floyd has revived the Black Lives Matter movement, making it truly global across cities big and small. Even here in my hometown, we have had several rallies. The topic of race and anti-racism needs to be on everyone's mind, and sometimes it is difficult to discuss race. My guest, Dave Smith, is here to give his perspective on the race relations in the U.S. Mr. Smith is a technology research analyst and the founder of Inflow Analysis. He is known as Wiz, a rapper with music on iTunes, you should listen to his latest song, We Need You Now, which he's written after the world erupted upon seeing the videos of George Floyd's death. It was emotional and beautiful. Mr. Smith's LinkedIn article called Uncomfortable Conversation about his experiences growing up as a Black American really caught my attention. He's here to talk to us about his experiences, the BLM movement, and this uncomfortable conversation around race that we need to bring to the forefront. I am proud to welcome Mr. Smith to the show. How are you today, Mr. Smith? Hi, Ryan. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I hope you're doing well during the long shelter in place. Oh, yeah. We, we, we are uh, d- coping here. <laughs> We're coping. <laughs> Just doing the best we can. Exactly. Allow us to get into the questions now. What inspired you to write play and launch your song we need you now wow so yeah so that was basically as you were saying before my response to everything that was going on you know right after the killing of of george floyd uh that sparked nationwide and and global protest i was sort of inspired by this gospel song called it will all be over and just realizing that the moment was so huge right that we needed strength and help you know to, to get through and, and overcome from the universe, you know, God, whatever higher power you believe in, you, you know, you want to sort of draw on that, that universal strength sort of get through. So that's, that's sort of what inspired the song. Just everything that was going on after the killing of, of, of George Floyd and seeing the protest and the reaction and, and the response globally. Well, thanks for sharing your feelings and your thoughts. What was going through your head as you saw the BLM movement take over the country and then the globe? What do you hope to be a lasting outcome? Yeah, my first thought was it was way past time. You know, we've been sort of talking about injustices for for so long. So, you know, we've had this rich history of social and racial justice movements in this country. But what I think we we witnessed after the after George Floyd was killed was 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 a different energy with Black Lives Matter uh, movement. And I think watching the George Floyd incident on TV now that most people were, I guess, were home due to COVID-19 and, and you know, shut down and, and shelter in places, everyone was sort of faced with having to watch it. 
right? You know, th there's no way that you can escape it, <laughs> the visual of the injustice, you know, done to that man. So it was a catalyst more than anything, I think, more than anything that we've ever seen or I've ever seen in this country. And I said, what I hope comes out of it is, is real systemic reform, you know, um, in our laws and in our policies and in fixing the systemic racism and the injustices, you know, that, that sort of been, been prevalent in this country and in its systems. This really went, this really was way overdue. And Indeed. at least now it's all coming back together. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go back a bit to when you were younger. And I said before, in your LinkedIn post titled Uncomfortable Conversation, you talked about your experiences growing up. What have been some of your most notable experiences where you have been judged by the color of your skin? Why do you think that still happens today to black youth? Why? You know, I tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's unconscious, right? You know, it, it's something that I don't think when people are engaged in those sorts of behaviors, judging people based on their skin, their ethnicity, it's sometimes unconscious. They, they don't even know they're doing it sometimes, but so people don't even realize they're judging you, right? Or, or being racist. So what happens to me and other young black youths is, you know, and, and, and acceptance of it. We've almost, we've been so used to that we've now sort of accepted it. Right. And, and and then trying to just navigate it, you know, just how do you just live normal and just sort of not just ignore, but just accept it and just keep on with uh, with life as, as normal. But like I mentioned in, in the article, I faced racism, you know, from elementary school, high school, even in my professional career you know, as an adult. And it's I mean, it, it goes from getting followed around in department stores because they think that you're up to no good. You know, um, it's the the white lady in the mall parking lot that as you walk by her car, she rolls up all the windows and locks her doors. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's black people, you know, sort of, we see it clearly. And sometimes if you mention those things, people are like, that doesn't happen. It does happen, it happens all the time. But it's, it's, it's those subtle things that we see every day that sort of, you know, sort of builds up our, our mentality. But hey, we just have to accept it and, and keep on going. But yeah, it's still prevalent in, in society today. This is the sad reality and more people need to know. Indeed, indeed. And so the system, as we're seeing it now, it was sort of set up, you know, to not recognize people of color, you know, as sort of whole people. So it was, it's not something that the system is broken, it sort of was built, you know, this way. I strongly agree. And now, as an adult, you are in a profession that is predominantly white as well. Do you think that that type of judgment continues into the professional world? And do you have any recent experiences to share? Absolutely. You know, I mentioned in that article you referenced as, as a young analyst, you know, starting, starting out in my career, a senior or an older white analyst suggested that in order for me to sort of get taken more seriously, you know, to, to, to fit in, you know, he suggested that I, I um, get start wearing clear glasses. <laughs> now, I don't wear prescription glasses at all, but he's like, I know you don't wear prescription glasses, but just you know, so you can seem a little bit more astute and older, you know, and, 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 and smarter, start wearing glasses. And so what he was saying was that I wasn't enough. You know, he was saying that who I was as a person just wasn't enough, that in order for me to fit in with him to be accepted by him and others, that I had to do this thing that wasn't me. And so, you know, those are the things that I've been seeing in, in my, you know, professional career, you know, and, you know, I, it's, it, it's sad that it still happens today, you know, but it's the reality that we're almost, I guess, all, all dealing with as, as people of color. Thank you for sharing that. We all need to know how others feel. Absolutely. 
How have you stood up to racism besides your amazing song? And how did you tell your kids to stand up to discrimination? Oh, wow. Thank you. That, that's, <laughs> thanks for the compliment. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's having those hard conversations, you know, with, with them. I remember my daughter, like just a few years ago in elementary school, I remember this, this young white kid, you know, told her, you know, you know, you're black, you're just a slave. I can own you, you know? And, and I mean, it was in school. This happened in school. And if this is around fourth or fifth grade, you know, and, and I had to have that conversation with her because, you know, here's something that I remember dealing with as a young kid, you know, growing up and thinking things, you know, and I know, you know, things haven't changed as much, but thinking, you know, it'll be better for her in school that I had to have this deep conversation with her about racism and that there are some people that don't like you just because of the color of your skin. So with my kids, I'm having to actually have that conversation again and teaching them that you still will have to go through some things. You know, my son, he, you know, he's uh, eight now. I'm, I'm nervous. He can't play with like a toy gun on the front lawn or, or water gun because I don't want him to be mistaken as, you know, having some sort of weapon, you know, and get mistreated. So, I mean, those are the, the real fears that us as black parents uh, have right now. This really needs to be addressed right now. Indeed. What do you recommend for non-black Americans who want to be part of the solution? I believe in always standing up against what is wrong and being very vocal, but what more can I do? You know, I think that's the first step. And so it, it's, it's going to take, you know, just the first step is just the uh, wanting to do something, right? And it's going to take getting an understanding of what the issues are and the history of racism and social injustices, you know, to marginalized groups of people in this country, a part of the problem I think is, you know, they don't teach this in the school system, right? And that's another symptom of systemic racism where, you know, so I recommend, I recommend it in the article, a couple of books to start with. You know, the Fire Next Time by James Baldwin and How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. You know, so it's really doing the education first. And I think what you're doing right now is, 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 is the most awesome thing. You, you want to learn and you want to get involved. And I think that's the first step. Thank you. And I'll make sure that I read some more books. Indeed. <laughs> what do you want our federal government to do to help break down systemic racism? You know, I think, um, like I mentioned before, education is going to be, I think, the key. You know, And it, it's looking at the laws and, and policies that negatively affect, you know, Black people and, and people of color and, and fixing the structural issues, you know, school curriculums, like I mentioned before, have to address the real history of America. You know, kids need to learn about incidents like the Tulsa massacre, you know, at, at Black Wall Street and, and the wave of similar massacres, you know, done by, done by whites to blacks in this country. You know, um, issues around fairer housing laws, you know, equal pay, you know, in, in professional careers, addressing policing in, in black neighborhoods, you know, sometimes just over-policing, you know, and, and also, you know, where black youth are being negatively impacted by that, you know, um, uh, what else is there, you know, and so it's the whole system just needs to be overall, you know, and, and, and because again, it was made, the system was actually made this way, you know, it's not broken, it was made this way. So how do you overhaul a system that was built to be this way? And, and that's the hard work that I think needs to happen right now. And so we're seeing a lot of things starting to happen in, in the country because of the George Floyd uh, massacre and killing where there's a lot more attention not being placed on it. We're seeing a lot more movement 
now within the Congress and the government to, you know, to, to even to start talking about it is a, a, a success, you know, so, but now we have to sort of continue through and make sure that we drive home, you know, the, the real issues and drive home change. I agree. It will take the government to start from talking about it all the way to making these big laws that defend us. In, absolutely. You're right. You're so right. How can my generation fight against racism right now and in the future? You know, Ryan, I tell you, I, I, I'm so proud of you. Like, by what you're doing right now, using this platform you have, bringing up tough conversations like this, this is a start. This is, I think, the one thing that you're doing, and it, it heartens me, you know, to see you doing this as, as a young man, and it gives me hope for you and your generation because you're, you're using this platform to bring a conversation that's tough to have. It's, I mean, adults aren't having this conversation. So you as a young man bringing this conversation up and, and using your platform in this way is exemplary. You know, so again, so proud of you. Uh, I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, I was not expecting you to ask these sort of questions. I'm like, whoa, these are adult and strong questions. So thanks for asking these questions because it, it gives us a chance to sort of get into, you know, in a little bit of a, a deeper way, some of these issues and, and, and start talking about them. But um, so I think doing what you're doing here and really is to identify, describe, and to call out systemic racism wherever you see it. You know, so again, using this platform is a start, but to, to, you really have to begin to, you know, again, become that anti-racist, right? Where you have to call it out where you see it and begin to push for what is right. Well, thank you for the compliments earlier. And <laughs> <clears throat> it's true. We all need to start doing this more. I'll keep yeah. making sure to. Absolutely. You're using the platform wisely. Awesome. As you said earlier about anti-racist, what does the term mean to you? And how can we make sure that we raise a generation of anti-racists? Yeah, you know, so the, the, the term actually goes back yeah, for some decades, but it's sort of been, you know, resurfaced again with people like I mentioned, Ibram X. Candy, who wrote the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist. But it, it's really about, you know, it's really about you know bringing awareness and what you're doing right now um because you're actively identity you have to actively identify the issue and call for change you can't sort of sit passively by and let injustice happen because if you just sit and allow it to happen that means you're actually racist so what ibram x candy was saying in the book was that there's no middle ground you're either racist or anti-racist there's no not racist. You have to be anti. And so being anti is doing what you're doing right now, using your platform, speaking out, you know, having these conversations, pushing for change in your own way that you can do it. And so that, that's, that's a big part of it. And even to actually answer your question before, it's, this is what it is. To everywhere you see racism, injustice, identify it, call it out, and challenge it. Right. And, and doing that in your own way, again, by using this platform or what have you, just raising your voice and using your voice to challenge the stuff, you know, just letting your voice be heard is going to be the key. I strongly agree that we all have to challenge this. Absolutely. Something for the lighter side of this conversation. Can you tell us about your next song? <laughs> yeah. So actually, I've been recording a lot of new music. So I have... um. A few things uh, happening. I have another song coming out called Circles and another one called This Is Me. Um, again, more so my music is a lot about some some life issues, you know, things I'm going through, you know, talking about my family and, and different things like that. Um, so it, it's uh, so those two should be coming out really soon. So I will definitely let you know when 
when they were available for uh, for listening. <laughs> I honestly can't wait to listen. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure talking with you today, Mr. Smith. I learned so much and I hope that my listeners have too. We need to talk about racism in the society a lot more. Please keep helping the world in your own way. Thank you so much, Anne. It's been great talking with you as well, too. You know, thank you for using this platform to bring up these, these deep and important topics. You know, um, I wanted to definitely make sure we you know, drive the point home of that. You using your platform is good, and other young people uh, your age, younger and older, just continue to, like, you know, identify, challenge the status quo, challenge injustice wherever you see it to any marginalized group, you know, Blacks, Hispanics, Asians, just always challenge injustice wherever you see it and speak up and stand up for yourself. It'll be the least I can do to give back to this planet. Absolutely. <laughs> and well, that's the end of A Change of the Chance, episode seven. I hope you learned something and I'll see you in the next episode.